welcome to the We're Not Stump podcast. I'm your host, Mike Boland, and I'm a congenital amputee of the right hand. In this show, I will interview other amputees and allow them to tell you their incredible life stories. I'll also feature family members of amputees and others who support the amputee community, all in an effort to discuss the challenges and triumphs of those living with limb loss. So stick around and listen to inspirational stories and find out why we say we're not stumped. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the We're Not Stumped podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bolin, and today I have a really special guest. Lisa Strube is on today. Lisa is a therapist at Anna K. Associates. She's been featured in numerous publications, including Living with Limb Loss, Keys, Key Tips to Maintaining Healthy Relationships. And that was in the Thrive blog by the Amputee Coalition, but she's been in numerous publications. Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on the We're Not Some podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, we're going to have, have fun. fun. <laughs> we're going to have fun. We always have fun. We're going to have fun. And I'll tell you, you, you're, you have such an interesting background and what you do now for a living is so, I find it very fascinating and, in, and interesting. And one of those things that I don't think people talk about a lot, so I can't really get, I can't wait to get into that. But we always start the We're Not Stumped podcast with a segment called In Your Own Words. So I'd like to know a little bit more about your story, and especially what happened to you when you were 18 years old. Yeah. So I was driving over to my boyfriend's house, um, this guy that I was dating, uh, and it was kind of rainy, and my car hydroplaned on the highway, hmm. and it crashed in the medium. And so it was on like the the innermost lane my car was. And another car saw me and drove around and came up and parked next to me. And he's like, do you want to get out of the car and yeah, and see the damage? And I was like, okay, sure. Even though my boyfriend at the time was like, don't get out of the car. I was like, okay, sure. Why not? So we got out of the car and another car also hydroplane and he hit us while we were out of the car oh, and I lost my leg on impact. Uh, wow. Yeah. And I just remember like the, the guy who hit me also drove off. Uh, oh. Yeah. He didn't stick around. And I remember like, uh, like just trying to like rip his sleeve. And I asked him not to leave me. I was pretty scared. Uh, and I could see the fear in his eyes. And I remember him like, unclenching my hand and leaving uh and uh the ambulance came pretty quickly and i just remember thinking oh like if i were to do something right it would be to to make it better with my parents because my parents and and i were in not a great place where we were uh arguing a lot i was a rebellious teenager um and I just remember thinking, I really love my parents and I want to make sure that I, I live through this and and be better. Uh, so I was quite scared. And then, um, yeah, I, I heard that my leg was gone Ugh. and I, I thought that I could get it back, but they were like, we couldn't do anything. It was pretty badly damaged. So I want to replay this in my head to make sure that I have it down. You, you were with your boyfriend at the time. Or I was driving to his house. You were driving to his house. Okay, so you were alone. Yeah, I was alone. Oh, and the person that hit you left. <laughs> yeah. Did, was he He ever found? No, it was like uh, the police said it was a needle in a haystack. They, yeah. they couldn't find him. I, I don't know how that person can live with themselves. That's terrible to hear. Uh, as I told you earlier, we always have, well, we had a great pre-recording conversation. Thank you for your time. 
Sure. I, I worked for a company called Discount Tire. You know, and the reason why I bring this up is because you know, something that you did, I, I always made sure that I, I have two girls. I tell all any any of their friends that come over, if, if you have a problem on the side of the road, it's best to maybe stay in your car. Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's so unfortunate that that happened to you. And as you continued on, as we were talking earlier, you said that led to, I want to say a decade of self-reflection is a good way to oh, put it. Oh yeah, totally. Like, uh, I went to college at the time, but, um, my dad actually would drive me to school and my, my school is about maybe an hour away from our house with traffic. So he would drive me back and forth, maybe three or four days a week. Um, and Atlanta has so much traffic too. He was pretty dedicated to doing that. And we became very close, but your parents can't be everything for you during that age, you know, like, uh, um, but I, I got through a lot of things because of the support of my parents, but it was still lonely because I wanted to be around people my own age yeah. and I felt isolated and I, I was, I felt sad because people came when they visited in the hospital. A lot of people came that reality set in when you go home and people don't visit as often. Yeah. I've heard that story before when you're in the hospital, you know, you have, let's say 30 people tending to you as an example, right? And not only that, friends coming to support you. And then when you get home, that's kind of where the loneliness or the isolation, as you said, starts. How did how did you get through that? What, what were the steps? Um, So I think I just kind of went through the motions for a number of years. And I like, I was still pretty upset because that, that boyfriend, we were on the, we were pretty much almost over, but, uh, and he he immediately found someone else like during that time, which is which is fine. And that was hard to get over. I think it was just hard because he moved on so quickly and I felt like I was stuck. Yeah. And uh, I was getting over like my friends not being there and and feeling like I did something wrong with my life. So that guilt. Uh, and I, I think like one day I was like, what am I doing with my life? What am I? Why am I living like this? And uh, my dad, he had this conversation with me because I wasn't really taking care of myself. I probably wouldn't like shower. You know, I was just, I was just existing. And he looked at me like, you know, no one's going to love you more than you love yourself, Lisa. And so I was like, whoa, okay. And I think I started thinking differently. I wanted to love my life and I wanted more. I wanted connection and I wanted meaning. So I went and found that. Um, I, I believe at the time, cause I, it happened so long ago, like a lot's happened in my life. Uh, I started going out and doing things like you mentioned Toastmasters. Yes. I think Toastmasters was a point of connection for me that really helped uh, with speaking and being around people that had similar goals as me. And I was working at a state job that I wasn't too crazy about. And I thought, oh, it'd be really great to be a therapist and help other people. Yeah. Uh, and I also, I, I also did climbing. I don't remember the exact order of things, but I was doing a lot of things that gave me joy. So I, I did rock climbing for a while. 
Uh, and then I eventually, I, I did, I went to Spain with a, a bunch of other uh, amputees and that was a great experience. Wow. Yeah, how, it was fun. How did that all come together? So uh, I was a part of Catalyst Sports and they did a competition. And yeah, like, I think I won third place and uh, you know, a rock climbing competition. I got qualified to go to Spain and I raised the money to go to Spain. And it was, uh, yeah. That's fantastic. I didn't ask you where I didn't give you the opportunity to say, are you an above knee or a below knee? I am above knee. Above knee. Okay. Yeah. yeah th thank you for, for sharing that. Are your parents still living? Yeah, they are. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, as I shared yeah. with you, my, my parents unfortunately passed away within the last decade, and that is a, a tough thing. One of the things as I think about with my parents, uh, and I was a rebellious child as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad uh, to bond yeah. me on that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And I showed you my first prosthetic back here, which I'm, and, and here's a, a little plug for the 40th episode that I'm going to have in a, in, in a couple episodes I, I recorded and kind of described those old prosthetics that I just recently found. So that's coming out in probably a couple of weeks. But the reason why I bring that up is because you had to go through this journey uh, as a brand new uh, amputee to go through the journey. And the journey included getting a prosthetic. What was that journey like? Oh, hard. Yeah. Hard, hard adjusting to uh, walking with a, with a prosthetic. Um, I didn't go about it the right way. Like, uh, I had a prosthetist who was like, oh, I didn't do physical therapy. And he walked pretty well. And I'm like, oh, I don't need physical therapy. But I, I should have taken the physical therapy route because uh, I wasn't walking really great. But then I went to a conference and they did a gait analysis on me. It oh. suggested I use a cane. And I've been using a cane and it's been helping my back and it's, it helped my gait. So I use a cane as well. And, and so you're currently using a gate or mm -hmm. a cane, pardon yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. What what uh what conference was that? If you don't mind me asking. Oh gosh, I don't if know. If you don't remember, that's fine. I, I think I think that was the one in Arizona. Oh, so it was an amputee coalition event. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I shared with you that I the first one I went to was in Palm Springs. I didn't realize there was one right in my backyard as I sit yeah. here in basically Chandler, Arizona. So how long ago for you did this happen? Um, I, uh, you mean my amputation? Yes. Oh, so I'm 41 now. It happened back in 2001. Um, so what's the math on that? My God. <laughs> 20, 23 years, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're going up on 24 this year. So as you think about it, it was interesting. You, you kind of framing and you did a fantastic job of your life before and then even life during some of what you were going through, but you are such a positive person and we're going to get into what you're doing now, but mm -hmm. what, how did your mindset get to be where it is now where you're such a positive and you look for challenges and you overcome a lot oh. of obstacles? I think I just, I've always wanted to work through my issues and find an outcome for them. Like if I'm having a hard time, I will try to like work through that and understand what's going on so I can come through that with a solution. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and 
how long did it take you to get to, as I call it, the other side? Which oh, I, the other I, side. If that looking makes... back, right? Because you just you're just like you do it like in the moment, right? And you just yeah. It. I think. I. I think Toastmasters was a really big part. Shout out to Toastmasters. That's great. Yeah, I think that like really helped me meet other people that were also had just wanted a lot from their life and being around like young people was really awesome. Um so I I I think Toastmasters did a lot for me. Uh and um I didn't date for for like 10 years I was I was I kept to myself a lot and I think that I I started enjoying my life more and that also was a big factor like I felt like comfortable in my skin because I was happy again doing things that I was enjoying well when you had the accident you were going to see your your boyfriends you were obviously dating then so was the amputation part of reason why you you didn't date for a while there i would say yeah i would say i would say yes i i felt i was just not comfortable in my own skin well not only are you comfortable in your own skin now you help others be comfortable in your own their own skin i'd like to talk a little bit about what you do now and and your expertise and your your a therapist and yeah i, I take it away i mean it's really amazing oh. what you do so um, I'm a sex therapist and it's so funny because like I, I got to watch watch saying that like when people ask what I do, like it depends on the person. I'll say sex therapist or if it might be someone a little more uh, conservative, I might say relationship therapist because okay. uh, it could it could bring up some stuff and people have a reaction, especially here in Georgia. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's interesting because you really... Uh, one of the things you focus on is the disability uh, mm -hmm. community. And I, yeah. it, it's one of those, I, I hadn't thought of that, but I can imagine as you went through and you have your own personal experience that there is a lot of people that need help in that area. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. It's a specialty doing sexuality and disability. Um, I actually ran a group for dating and disability, which is a great group. Uh, I, I really enjoyed running that group and I learned a lot from other people's experience as well as my own. Uh, what do you think people, I, I don't, I want to make sure I'm phrasing this correctly, but mm -hmm. what are they lacking in that area? I'm a congenital amputee. So I grew up like this and you know, my story is maybe a little different. I, I know that people that are born like me also have not the best stories as well. So I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to represent them. But for me, it was just always like, hey, if you don't like me, that's fine. I, if you don't like me because I have one hand, well, then I don't like people that don't like people with one hand. That was always sure. my. So, but what are, what are people going through? That, oh. It's a very open-ended question. I apologize. No. But it's such a fascinating field you're in. And I really admire you for doing what you're doing. It's hard work. Because people, it just brings people, bring it brings pe all of their stuff and it, it gets complex. So I think, I think that's one thing, uh, Mike, is that specifically a person with a disability 
can be afraid of. I mean, not everybody, but mm -hmm. some people can be afraid of, will you accept me as I am with a person with a disability? Because sometimes a person with a disability, it comes with a lot of stuff. And with a disability, it could also impact depression and anxiety. Yeah. But the, you're right. That There is a, a lot to that. And that's where, yeah, I'm going to, I want to ask you a question about Toastmasters. I, that sure. I don't want to let go. Uh, in my experience, because I happen to be in Toastmasters and enjoy it quite a bit myself. Uh, yeah. I see that a lot of people are looking to just hopefully get rid of the fear of public speaking or just feel more, it, it's something that really doesn't go away. I think we all know that, especially going through it, but you, you learn how to deal with it differently and you realize and maybe confidence helps you get up there and be in front of people. What was the inspiration for you to do Toastmasters? Was it career driven? Was it just, hey, I want to be in front of people? Oh, I was at work. Um, we were, <laughs> when I was working for the state, we had this kind of meeting like uh I don't know if it was like an inspirational thing but uh this woman was brought in she was talking about how great Toastmasters was and I was like sure I'll try it <laughs> and I did I was like oh it's like it's fun like I I made sure it was a good location and I was like oh like what you learn about different things and and it is nerve-wracking speaking up in front of people because like I could talk about my own story pretty well but when I talked about other things I was quite nervous doing it uh and it was very visible so I had to work through that it's interesting because both of us have been through and I'm still part of Toastmasters and, and matter of fact I'm gonna give a shout out if you happen to be in Scottsdale Arizona looking for a place to do Toastmasters I highly recommend chats that's what the one I'm in and uh, we'd love to see you so come on yeah. out would you recommend Toastmasters and or something along those lines to people like us? Do you think that's something that does help? Oh, yeah, I think, I think everybody, this is, this is like based on science, everybody needs connection to thrive, to survive. So if you are alone and dealing with your disability, it's good to find connection and support whether that be Toastmasters or volunteering or being around your friends or being around your family or finding somewhere where you feel like you are accepted and you belong. I think that is the greatest point to, to feel just alive and well, because we are all suffering from isolation due to COVID. Yeah. And like, that's how I felt better after my accident was, being around other people that I like to be around. And you talk about that in your article in, in the Thrive blog. I did read that. We're going to link to that in the description. And to go back to some of your uh, early life with your parents and being a rebellion, how is the relationship now with your parents? It's pretty good. good. Um, my dad is suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah. So that's difficult because he's yeah. a different person. So we're struggling with that, but we're doing it as a family. And my mom and I are quite close. She's Good. close to my son. Um, and uh, you know, parents change. Like it's it's so vulnerable, right? Like like I, I always thought they were like these two very strong-minded people, and like they're they're just people like the rest of us that that uh, age and. And, you know, become more, you know, vulnerable. 
Yeah, that's one thing I guess we all learn is as we get older, our parents are just people. Yeah, like, cause, yeah, they're all just people and, yeah. Yeah, that, that it's fascinating to think that because especially now, and, and you are recently, if I'm not mistaken, as we talked earlier, you just had a child recently. How, how old is your child? My child is almost two in April. Yeah. Yeah. Running around all over the place. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> she, it, it's wonderful being a mom. I think it's the most challenging thing I've ever done. Um, but the joy I get from having a child, I, I love it. Uh, I, I'm more tired than I used to be. I can imagine. And yeah. I met your husband earlier. I didn't catch his name and I apologize. David? David. Okay. <laughs> yes. Shout out to David. She, he brought her that coffee that she, yeah. we're, we're both sharing the coffee. So. Yeah. Coffee. David's true. <laughs> Lisa <Street> loves you. <laughs> oh, that, that's so cool. What was that like? Uh, meeting, your, well, meeting, meeting your current husband. and uh, Oh, okay. Let me tell you. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this one. Yeah. So we met on Tinder. Okay. Um, and uh, I wasn't really looking for anybody. Like I thought in Toastmasters, they were talking about dating apps. And so I was like, oh, that should be fun. Because I was, I was in school when I met David. I was in graduate school. Um, and so I, I met David. Uh, and I had, I think it was the second Tinder date that I had and I had a pretty good profile. Like a lot of pictures showing me having fun. Like I had one in Spain with me dancing with some musicians and, uh, like I had a box of rice, uh, just with me after I got my braces off, it was a quite cute picture. And I thought it's funny cause I was Asian and I was carrying a box of rice. I don't know. So, uh, and when I met David, he was quiet, but I knew he was different because we were hanging out at his house and he's like, oh, and we were, I was like sitting on his couch. Where was he? God, I was sitting somewhere. He's like, would you like to take your prosthetic off to be more comfortable? Like he was comfortable. Like, and I was like, no guy has ever asked me. Wow. Like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this one might be a keeper. <laughs> you actually said, said something right there that I was going to ask you about this. So me as a missing a hand and I choose not to wear a prosthetic, you, you pretty much know right away that I'm missing something. But I, I know there are times, friends of mine that, that I've got to know over the last year or two years missing a leg, if they're wearing pants, you, you almost may not know. So th that almost presents something, I don't know if it's a challenge and maybe something you could speak to because your experience, mm -hmm. but how do you go about saying, oh, hey, by the way, oh. I'm amputee? I usually tell them right, right up front. Or like I told them right up front, um, like yeah. I, I lost a leg in a car accident. Um, and that tells me a lot by their reaction right yeah. away. Cause I don't want, I don't want them to, to find that out later. Um, Cause I, you can't really hide that. Yeah. Um, and I'd rather know now than later if you're not comfortable with it. And there have been men uncomfortable with it. Um, that's just the, the, the deal sometimes. Um, and that's okay. It, it's just, it just means that maybe I'm not a good fit for you. There will be someone out there. In fact, I, when I did the disabilities 
uh, and dating presentation for the online conference, people asked about that, like, about presenting this information up front. And I just, this is the way I did it. I did it right away because I do want to know, like, I can't hide this. And this is a part of who I am. So... Yeah, I, I agree with you. Again, I don't wear a prosthetic now, but I did when I was younger. And mm -hmm. I even had an artificial hand, which is somewhere back there. I don't know. I, yeah, I got a lot of stuff back there. Yeah, I got I mean, they're all props now. But <laughs> And I'll go back to what I said, and I think it kind of rings true with what you just said. I, I didn't want to date someone that didn't like people with one hand. So that That's the way I looked yeah. at it. And that's kind of what you're saying, too. If, if there's someone that had an issue with you having one leg, well, mm -hmm. you weren't interested in them. Is that a accurate? Yeah, 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 pretty much. I mean, like, I I went through a time where I was like, just insecure about my 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 prosthetic, and I I wore pants, and I never wore like skirts or anything like that. And I think that's what really helped with David. That's why I knew he was special because one day I was wearing um like my prosthesis, and it didn't have a cover on it, and he just said. He just really said it. he liked the way it looked. And I was That's like, cool. wow, I like the way it looks too. Yeah. And so I started wearing a prosthesis without a cover and I would wear yeah. skirts and I would wear, and I think he helped me just be more open and embracing about it because it is hard for, for people to, yeah. to show that part. Mm -hmm. Right in a world that is so obsessed by how we look. Yeah. Yeah. Very so. good way to put it. And what, I, as I was processing what you were saying, it had to have led to other things. So you get to a point to where I'm just going to go out the way I want to go out, but that leads to now people are probably going to ask you questions openly. How, how did, how was that worked out for you? Um, you know, I talk about it. Like people, people do look and that's, that's just, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, I'm living my life and I'm <laughs> For the most part, I'm doing okay. So, and I, I know that's not my stuff. I know that's them and they're not, I wish people that aren't aware, like it's a disability. It doesn't define a person, right? It doesn't, it, in fact, a lot of times, like you said, you can't imagine your life any other way, right? I yeah. same with me, like I've, I've been through so much, but I've learned a lot. I think I'm pretty resilient and I think it's because it started with me losing my leg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. And you said, I think I'm doing okay. And I want to correct you and say, I think you're doing fantastic and you're doing <laughs> a lot of great things, but let's talk about that. Let, 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 sure. I want to get your perspective on what you've gone through. And then as I say, and I've said it on this podcast a few times, the other side, because there, mm -hmm. there's going to be times where, Hey, we all, as we talked yeah. about, we're alone and, as, as Dan Moses said on the, on the fourth episode of this, uh, the gerbils start talking and they start fighting. But then there comes a time where we're like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be successful. I'm going to make do. Everything's going to work out. What has that been like for you to get to the other side and be so accepting of yourself? So it's still a challenge at times, right? Like there's some days I have, there's days that I have good days, right? And I'm like, okay, well, that was a good therapy session or... Like I was a really good, that was a really good moment with my son or I, I did a great job with my husband. <laughs> there, then there are times where I'm like, oh, I'm a shitty therapist or 
Like I could have handled that moment better with my son. So I think giving this is such a therapy t- therapist term, but like giving yourself it. like the compassion, like I'm going to have these bad moments, but I'm going to do better to make sure I learn from them and not be so hard on myself. So I I try to like do my best, but I'm not always like my best sometimes because life is hard, but I try to like be better. And isn't, I'm going to ask this of a therapist, so I'm going to probably get an official answer, but what you just described, isn't it part of just being human? That's the way I look at it. You know, my daughters aren't amputees, but they have days just like you described. So we're just human, just like anyone else. Is that a good way to put it? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like I think having a mom who expected my parents, you know, being, being traditionally Asian, they expected a lot out of me, like get good grades, behave well, practice your piano. Right. And so there wasn't a lot of room for like error a lot or like when I did something wrong, it wasn't like, oh, it's, it's okay. You'll, you'll do better next time. They just, they're good parents, but they didn't have that vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like that is just being human and allowing us to have those moments where we struggle. People, we, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, please. I'd love to hear you complete that. Disability or not, we're yeah. all just like, we are all just people trying to do our best most of us at least most of us yeah i like the way you put that <laughs> and as we talked i think this was before we hit record uh you talked isolation i always say it's alone and i think i learned it from the podcast as as i say i go to the let's say i go to a phoenix suns game i'm probably gonna be the only person there with one hand mm-hmm. but even feeling of alone is not something it's something that i think amputees go through but it's not certainly mm-hmm. something that is unique amputees is that a accurate statement as well from a therapist of course of course you know and that's something that we could all work through Mm -hmm. i think so all people i think so all people because people may not have may not have a physical disability but they may be struggling with emotional or mental stuff that's not as visible we yeah. are all struggling with something. And, so, oh, oh, go, go please. I was no, just going to ask, what is next for you? You've already accomplished so much. You went to Spain. You do rock climbing. And, and you did this after, you know, traumatic experiences that you had to work through. And now the sky's the limit. What is next for you? Um. Well, I mean, with my work, I... I am learning a special type of therapy for couples and I'm fantastic. Yeah. So I'm trying to, trying to learn this model. Um, and I would like to write more. I'm actually thinking about writing a book, uh, that's going to be tailored to like a, like a letter to my son about talking about sex and looking at it from a, a view of a parent who has a disability, who's also a sex therapist because Unfortunately, like when I hear my clients in session, their parents didn't really have enough knowledge or the right vocabulary to educate about sex and like consent and boundaries and just body autonomy, all these things kids need to know about uh, that I would like 
for my son to be aware of when he's out in the world. And where can people learn more about you? So I do have a website it's called Buckhead Sex Therapy. Um, and it I, I write blogs on it. I also have yeah. uh, an Instagram, Buckhead Sex Therapy. Um, and I do some videos. I've been so tired lately that I haven't been as active as I like because of being a mom and trying to work. I wish well, I had more energy. <laughs> I did see the videos. I'm actually on your website now. I'll make sure I link to all of your social media platforms in the description. Any other thoughts? Anything you'd want to end with? This has been a fantastic conversation and just very intriguing for me because especially everything you've gone through and what you're doing now. Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's important to find connection and find meaning in your life. And then you won't feel so alone. That's very well said. Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on the We're Not Sound. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank you for having me. I had fun. That was the We're Not Stump podcast, hosted by Mike Bowler. If you want to be a guest on the program, reach out to Mike at his email address, mike at mikebolin.com. This podcast is produced by One Hand Man Productions. If you are looking to start your podcast, go to onehandmanproductions.com.